What I want to talk about this morning is spiritual protection. And somebody just said it during the open time there, that our security is in Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? He is the rock. And that's where our salvation, and that is our protection, that is our covering. Amen? So once you're in Christ, once you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you, what the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to take the ward and he wants to make you um, part of this. And the Holy Spirit, I believe this morning, wants to reveal that in Jesus Christ, you are secure. You are protected. Don't worry about Brexit, please. Forget about it. Your security is in Jesus Christ. He is the solid rock. And what I want to talk about today is our spiritual security, and we have it guaranteed. It's in Psalm 91. So if you're turning your Bibles to Psalm 91, I'm going to read Psalm 91 and preach a sermon on spiritual security. Now, I'm reading from the King James, and that's no problem. The reason why I'm reading the King James is, is basically because there are words in the other Bibles that don't come out the same, but that's okay, so if you haven't got a King James. Now, in the original Bible, Psalm 90 and Psalm 91 was the one Psalm. In our Bibles, there are two separate Psalms, but Moses was given this revelation by God, okay? And it was Moses who put Psalm 90 and 91, he, it was him that wrote all this down. So really and truly, if you want to read Psalm 91, you would have to read it in the context of Psalm 90 because it is one big psalm. It was split up years later. But on saying that, in relation to what Mark was saying this morning, if you look at Psalm 90 verse 10, what does it say? The days of our years are three score years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be four score years, yet is our strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Isn't that what Mark was talking about this morning? The futility of life. Even if God gives you an added few more years and you live to a hundred, it is nothing compared to eternity. And I think that verse 12 is a very interesting verse. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. You need to number every day, because every day is a gift from God, and they soon fly away and be no more. So Psalm 90 is, Moses wrote that Psalm, and it was a continual flow into Psalm 91. So I'm going to read Psalm 91, but that's the context of it. Using your life to the glory of Jesus Christ. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the nonsense pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings thou shalt trust. Thou shalt trust, uh, his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flyeth by day, nor from the pestilence <clears throat> that walketh in darkness, nor from the destruction that wasted at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, 
But I love this. But it shall not come near thee. Love that. Only with your eyes will you shall behold and see the reward of the wicked. And the answer is this. Because you have made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. Thou shalt no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come near thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Thou shalt bear thee upon, up in thy hands, lest thou dash, dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion, the adder, the young lion, and the dragon. Shalt thou trample under feet. Because... He has set his love upon me. Wow. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he knows my name. That name is Jesus, by the way. He shall call upon me. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Do you know if you just read Psalm 91 over and over and over again without even looking into it, you would be blessed. You would have to. I don't know how anyone could just read that Psalm and think, oh, that was a nice Psalm. Let's read something else. Put on the telly and go somewhere. I mean, just to read that Psalm over and over again, you will be blessed. And what I want to do this morning is I want to just break this psalm down and give you the bigger picture of what God is actually saying here. Now, this psalm begins like this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It would take me at least an hour to explain that verse. <laughs> that, that's, that's a sermon in itself. But we haven't time to go into all that. But if you look at this a little bit deeper, and sometimes you have to look at things a bit deeper, what this verse is saying is this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Now that name for God, Most High, in Hebrew, is called the El Elyon. Do you know the God that we worship? Our God is the El Elyon. He is the Most High God. And there is no gods above him. In fact, there is no other gods but him. And this God, the Most High God, is saying to you that if you dwell in this Most High God, you will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, see that word Almighty God? That, in Hebrew, that's called the El Shaddai. So the Most High God, the El Elyon, is saying to you, I want you to dwell with me, and I am the the." El Shaddai, I am the Almighty God. That is a wonderful invitation. The Most High God wants you to dwell with him. When you become a Christian, that's exactly what happens. This morning, I am dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God because I know him and he knows my name. I hope that you today can say that you're dwelling with Jesus, the Most High God, the Almighty God, in that secret place. Now, the key to unlock this verse is it says, let me read it again. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, where is the secret place? Because that's the key. 
he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. So where is the secret place that I have to go to? Is it the Monaghan Elam? Or whatever church you go to? The secret place that he's talking about is not a place. It's a person. And that person's name is Jesus. So Jesus is the one. He is the secret place. And once you come in to the presence of Jesus Christ, you're automatically dwelling under the shadow of the Almighty. I mean, Jesus said, no man come to the Father but by me. So if you want to, if you want to dwell in the secret place, if you want to know the Most High God, if you want to abide under the shadow of the Almighty, you've got to come to Jesus. He is the secret place that leads you in to this particular psalm. Your security is in Jesus. By the way, this psalm was, was wrote by Moses, and it was wrote for people who were in trouble. So if you are in trouble today, or if there's trouble ahead, you know that song? There may be trouble ahead. I don't know what this week is in line for you. I don't know what trouble is ahead of you. But when you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you read Psalm 91, that will unlock all your troubles. Because you're going to end up, by the end of this sermon, in another hour or two or three, giving them to Jesus. Whatever troubles you come into church with this morning, when you walk out that door, I want you to trample them under the foot of Jesus. Because you're set free. I guarantee everyone in this room has some trouble, some worry, something that's holding you back, something that's upsetting you. Psalm 91, that psalm is for you, if you're in trouble. And the idea is that when you see Jesus at work in this psalm, your troubles will be gone. And if my, if my sermon today is a success, you're going to walk out of this church ten stone lighter. Not physically, of course. Leaving all your troubles behind. The secret place is you and the Lord together. And the word of God dwelling in your heart. In the book of Ephesians it says, Let the word of God dwell in your heart through faith, that you may be rooted and grounded in, what's the last word? Love. Let the word of God, that's this here, let the word of God dwell in your heart, true faith, that you may be rooted and grounded in love. If you have trouble in your life, if you have fear in your life, if you have anxiety in your life, if you have any problem, the reason why you have a problem in your life is you're a Christian, is you do not understand God's love. That is why. And that is why Paul says in Ephesians that the word must dwell in your heart, rooted and grounded in love. Now, in verse 1, I'm going to read it again. He that dwells in the secret place, the secret place is Jesus, of the Most High God, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, you see that word abide. That word abide in verse 1, that word abide is permanent. I'm going to stay there. I'm going to take up residence there. I am going to live there. I'm not going to live somewhere else. I am going to live under the shadow of the Almighty. 
I'm staying there. Nobody's going to push me off. I am That's what that word abide means. It's permanent. Now, if you go to the New Testament, and I'm not going to look this up, but in John 15, before Jesus went to the cross, he gets his disciples all around him, and he says this, I am the true vine, and you are the branches. Read John 15. He goes on to say, abide in me. That's a song, isn't it? That song was wrote down in Waterford, you know that, in a little church down in Waterford, or Wexford, down there somewhere. That's what that song was. But that's a lovely song. And in John 15, 9 to 13, Jesus, who's literally going to go to the cross, and he has all his disciples together, and he's telling them, there's one thing I want you to do when I'm gone. Remain, abide in my love. Don't depart from my love. Abide in my love, stay in my love. Psalm 91, abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If you were out in a desert, and it's really hot out in that desert, and if you came to a shadow, you're going to lie down and rest in that shadow because of the sun. Now, if there is a shadow in a desert, that means that there's a wall or a tree or a building behind you. Wouldn't that be true? And that's why you get a shadow. Now, this verse is telling us that we are to abide under the shadow of who? The Almighty God. Right now, I'm under, permanently staying under the shadow of the Almighty. I physically can see God, but I know his, he's there. Do you see what I'm saying? If you're out in the desert, you're on a shadow, and you're, you're, you're free from the, 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 the heat of the sun. But you know, you don't have to look behind. You know that behind you, there is something that's cast in that shadow. This verse is saying, I want you, PJ, to stay under my shadow. So right now, I'm under his shadow. If I look around, I can't see God, but I know he's there. Do you see what I'm saying? And it's the shadow that's going to protect me. There was uh, this farmer not far away from me, and he had sheep. And I used to laugh at this. Really hot summer's day, not like maybe this year, but last year. Last summer was very, very hot. A big tree out in the middle of the field, and there would be a shadow halfway across the field. And guess where the sheep were resting? On the shadow. Of all, this field might have 10 acres, 20 acres, but the sheep were resting under the shadow. But you know what the funny thing was? As the day went on, the shadow moved, and the sheep would move with the shadow. I thought, they are clever sheep. Should we not be doing the same? God wants us to rest under that shadow of his wings. Verse 3. I better get a move on. <laughs> Surely. No, verse 2. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now, verse 2 begins with saying, I will say of the Lord. If you read Psalm 91, there are seven times it says, I will. I will. We'll come to them. We'll have to wait. <laughs> I ordered pizzas, okay? So it's going to go on a long time. But in verse 2, you have to say, I will. What have you to say? I will say of the Lord three things. He is my refuge. 
He is my fortress. He is my trust. Can we not say that together as a church? It would take the pressure off me if you stop preaching my sermon. <laughs> Let's say it together. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my trust. Now, what are you doing? In verse 2, you are declaring that this verse is for me. Do you see what I'm saying? How do you get saved? You've got to believe in your heart, but what have you to do with your mouth? You've got to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You actually have to speak it out. If you're going to read Psalm 91, you need to say, yes, Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my trust. Because what you are doing is you are speaking out the word of God. I will say of the Lord. Now, here's an interesting one. When you read verse 1, it says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. In Hebrew, that name for God is the El Elyon. Will what? Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That Hebrew name for God is called the El Shaddai. But when you get to verse 2, I will say of the Lord. Now that word Lord is the word Yahweh. You've heard the word Yahweh before. That word Yahweh means God wants a covenant relationship with you and me. He wants a relationship. When you say Jesus Christ is Lord, that word Lord, Yahweh, the covenant God, wants to have a relationship with you. Isn't that lovely? The Most High God has come down in the form of man, Jesus Christ, and on the cross, he died. So that why? So that you and me could have a covenant relationship with him. Do you know the interesting thing about that word Yahweh? I know this might be a bit technical, but the, the word Yahweh in Hebrew is yod heh vav -Heh. Do you know what that means? I'm just saying this because of what David shared this morning. It means behold the man, behold the nail. Behold the man, behold the nail. When that man was on the cross, what was holding him up there? The nails. Behold, that's what the word Yahweh means. That covenant, yod heh vav -Heh. When you read verse 1 of Psalm 91, it is basically an invitation to come to Jesus Christ. God wants you to dwell in the secret place with him. When you read verse 2, what you are doing is you're saying, I'm going to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And when you read verse 3, what you are reading then, this is what Jesus is going to do for you. You see what's happening here? You've got to bring Jesus into Psalm 91 because he is the fulfillment of the entire Bible. So you have to see what Jesus is in all this. Now let me read you verse 3, and you'll see Jesus here. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the nonsense pestilence. See that word surely? Do you know what that means? It is certain and it is going to happen. You can bet your bottom dollar on it. <laughs> this is going to happen. You ever read Isaiah 53? What does Isaiah 53 talk about? The suffering of Jesus on the cross. Do you know what it says? Surely he bore our sins and our sorrows. And he nailed them to the cross. Why? Because he's Yahweh. Behold the man. Behold the nail. 
In Isaiah, Isaiah says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short that it cannot save. Doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what life you have lived, God's arm today is long enough to reach where you're at and bring you with him into the secret place, into the Most High. What a wonderful saviour we had. Bet you never thought that was all in Psalm 91. That's only the third verse. We have a long way to go. Now look what it says in verse 3. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Now if I wanted to snare something or catch something, I would have to put a trap down. And in the trap, I would put bait. It's not quite simple. If I wanted to catch a mouse, I would get a mouse trap. And what would I put in the middle of it? Give you a guess. Cheese. Now what you do? You ever watch Tom and Jerry? I mean, that's all they do. Chasing each other around the place. If I wanted to catch a fox, I would have a trap. What kind of bait would I need? Probably a chicken. Wouldn't I? A dead one. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure I could get a few around Holland or whatever called over some evening. If I wanted to catch a fish, how would I catch a fish? I would go fishing and on the hook I would put a bit of cheese. Would I? No. You put a worm. Isn't that interesting? Whatever you want to catch, there is a trap and there is a specific bait for what you want to catch. Imagine if you went into somebody's house and they had a fishing line and they were going like this with the rod and you said, what are you doing? I'm trying to catch a mouse. <laughs> You've got bigger problems than trying to catch a mouse. That's not how you do it. You need a trap. You see, for everything you want to catch, do you know the devil wants to catch you? He wants to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Now, here's the thing. The devil knows exactly the right bait to catch you. He knows your weakness. And if you have a weakness in certain areas, we call it a chink in the armor. If you have a weakness in some area, that is the area that the devil is going to bait. So that's going to lead you into that bait and then you're trapped. That's what's going to do. If you came from a, an alcoholic background and you're totally set free from all that, somewhere along the line, somebody's going to come along and say, you know, uh, cheers, you know, this is free. Do you want a free drink? <laughs> I don't want you to take it here. Be water. It's great. There's no bait in that. But you see what I'm saying? The devil knows exactly the right bait to catch you. Now, let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with the bait because it's everywhere. It's the bite. It's when you take the bait, that's when the devil has you. So the question is, how do you avoid all the temptation and all the bait that the devil has around you? The key is this, that you dwell in the secret place of the Most High. If you spend your time under the shadow of the Almighty, when you feel that there's a temptation, when you feel that there's a problem, what do you do? You stay, you abide, you dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And once you are there, you are safe. The devil is out there. He's going to tempt you with every sort of thing he can throw at you because he knows your weakness more than you do. And he's going to try and, and trick you up. This week, the devil is going to trip you up. But here's the good news. I want you to stay under the shadow, abide permanently under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen?
So verse 1, we are to dwell in the secret place. Verse 2, we are to, to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. In him we trust, he is our refuge, he is our strength. And in verse 3, if you do that, Jesus will deliver you from the snare and from the snare of the fowler. Let's go on to verse 4. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings you shall, thou shalt trust. I, I like this verse, and I'll tell you why. Years ago on our farm, we used to have chickens and hens. We, we had one rooster and one hen, but we had lots years ago. And uh, every so often, you'd see the hen out with the chickens, and every so often a hawk would circle the area. And the mother hen would go like this. Cluck, 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 cluck. She would spread out her wings like that. And all the little chickens would go underneath her wings and she would sit down on them. And we would, we would look up and you could see a hawk above. But she was aware. And what to do, the chickens would all come. And once they were underneath her, they knew they were safe from the enemy. And I used to watch it. She'd, she could sit there for a minute, and all of a sudden you'd see a little chicken's head popping up here and popping up there. Is it all right, Mammy? And she'd maybe shuffle and they'd go back down again. She knew when the time was for her to get up, open her wings, and out they go again. Sometimes we used to scare the hen just to do that. <laughs> I know that sounds cruel, but it was just lovely to see the way a hen would go to so much trouble to protect her, her chicks. We're God's children, aren't we? We're redeemed. Psalm 91 is for you. Are you not aware that when trouble comes, God wants to protect you under the shadow of his wings, just like a mother would gather her hens? Do you know in the New Testament, Jesus said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't listen. But you know if those chicks strayed off and didn't run to their mother, that hawk or maybe a rat or a cat would just zoom down and kill those chickens in an instant. Their safety was under the wings of the mother hen. I like that particular verse. Verses 5 to 8. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flyeth by day, nor from the pestilence that walk in darkness, nor from the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right-hand side, but it shall not come near me. Only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked. As I said earlier on, <clears throat> Moses was the man who wrote down this psalm. Moses knows exactly what those two verses mean. Let me explain them very quickly. The children of Israel, this, you have to go back to the book of Genesis here. But remember the story of Joseph? Jacob came down to Egypt, to the land of Goshen. Seventy came down, or maybe 72, depends on what way you look at it. Basically, Jacob's family. Jacob's family, this is the story of Joseph, came down to live in the Nile Delta. It's called the land of Goshen. That is the most fertile place in Egypt the Nile Delta, the land of Goshen. That today, the equivalent of that to you and me would be like, you know, the Golden Vale. You ever hear the Golden Vale down in Cork and Tipperary? 
I mean, it's huge. You love, you love to live in the Golden Vale instead of the Drumlin Hills of Cavan and Monaghan and Riches. But down in Cork, down in the Golden Vale, it's nice and flat, better weather down there, flat fields, no shucks or muck, just it's better. Well, this is the Golden Vale of Egypt. And guess who's living in it? Jacob, Joseph, and his family. They're 70 or 72. Over the next 400 years, their numbers grow to about two and a half million. One day, Moses went to Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. But Pharaoh said, no way. Your people are slaves in Egypt. You have to work for the Pharaoh. And you just have to work really hard and I'm going to slap you and beat you if you don't work hard enough. They were slaves. So what happened was we had the ten plagues, plagues of Egypt. But what was the last one? The firstborn son in every house was going to be killed. But the Hebrew people in the land of Goshen, they were inside eating the lamb. And before they ate that lamb, somebody had put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of the houses. So what happened? When the angel of death came across that entire land and it saw the blood of the lamb, it passed over those houses and it killed the firstborn son in all the other houses. Can you imagine Moses and the children of Israel? They would have seen a thousand fell at that side, 10,000 at that side, but didn't come near me. Why? Because we were covered in the blood of the Lamb. Moses would actually have seen this with his own eyes. He would have seen how all this had played out. So now, what these verses are saying to us is very simple. That you and me need to be covered in that blood. We talked about it earlier on. Are you covered in the blood of the Lamb? If you're not covered in the blood of the Lamb, Psalm 91, the Bible won't work for you. You've got to come to Jesus. You've got, verse 1 is an invitation to Jesus. Verse 2 is when you accept Jesus. Verse 3, Jesus will deliver you. And verses 5 and 8 is telling us that when you are covered in the blood of the Lamb, a thousand may fall at this side, ten thousand at that side, but it won't come near me. Because I am covered in the blood of the Lamb. Moses actually seen. He was an eyewitness account of this. And that's why Moses wrote Psalm 91. But let's move on for time's sake. The next few verses says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Thou shalt bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. This is a very interesting verse because a long time ago God said to Jesus this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That is when Jesus' earthly ministry began. He was baptized at the River Jordan as you know. But very soon after that what happened? The devil came along to Jesus and said to Jesus if you are the son of God. Throw yourself off the temple. And what will happen? The angels will protect you. Least you dash your foot upon a stone. See how the devil can use the word of God 
and twist it around for his own ideas. And the, do you know the devil knows the word of God? And he's able to use the word of God, including Psalm 91, for his own plans and purposes. I think this is very interesting because what the devil, what's actually happening is here, thou shalt Thou shalt bear thee upon thy hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. But if you go back to Genesis 3.15, that is the first time that Jesus is mentioned in the Bible. And what does it say? He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So what the devil is doing, he's taking the word of God back in Genesis and he's trying to say to Jesus, well, Jesus, if that is true, throw yourself off the temple and somebody will catch you, an angel will, in case you dash your foot upon the stone. So I just think it's absolutely amazing that Psalm 91 is your spiritual protection against the enemy, and yet the enemy can use Psalm 91 for his own ideas. So you need to be very, very careful and see how the enemy can come in and use the word of God for his own belief and his own problems. Then it goes on to say in verse 13, Thou shalt tread upon the lion, the adder, the young lion, and the dragon. Shalt thou trample under feet. See that? Now this is a very strange verse. Because there's four creatures mentioned, right? The first one is the lion. Thou shalt tread upon the lion. Then it talks about an adder. And then it talks about a young lion. And then it talks about a dragon. See that? And what is actually going on here is very interesting. And again, we have to see the work of the enemy. Let's talk about those four creatures one at a time. The first one he's talking about is a lion. Now, what he's saying is this, that you are to tread upon the lion. Thou shalt trample under feet. That's the key word, trample under feet. Can you say those words after me? Trample under feet. Let's say it again, trample under feet. So what are we to trample under feet? The four creatures. Number one is a lion. Now, what does he mean by saying a lion? If you were living out in Africa and you met a lion, the chances are, you're dead. Okay, it's a no-brainer. I mean, don't take on the lion. I mean, a big hungry lion, you, you're dead. Now, what the lion here represents is what we would call big life problems. If you went to the doctor and the doctor said you had cancer, you know what's going to come into your head? I'm going to die. If you went to the doctor and you had a heart attack and you needed a massive operation, there's this fear comes into you. I'm not going to survive this. Death kind of comes into your life. If there's an accident in the family or you get bad news, it's like a lion. It's like, this is so big, my life is over. This, this thing is going to kill me. Do you know that Satan goes round like a roaring lion? But here is the good news. That when those things come into your life, do you know what you're called to do? You're to trample them underfoot. That's what this verse is telling us. If you don't believe me, in Luke's gospel, I give you power to tread upon what? Serpents, scorpions, 
and all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm you. So this week, if you get bad news, uh, i got cancer, I have to go for a serious operation, I have a problem with my bank, these are big problems. Problems that are so big, they could kill you. But no, if you're abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, you can trample that underfoot. Don't let the enemy come into your life and say, it's all over. You're going to die. You'll not survive this one. This is too big. That's what the devil wants to do. Because what did the devil come to do? Kill, steal, and to destroy. So when that big lion comes into your life, you stamp it on the foot on the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, the second creature he talks about is an adder. Now, an adder is basically a snake. A lion has four legs, and it runs very fast. You won't outrun a lion, but you can outrun a snake, can't you? I mean, if there was a snake here, St. Patrick, I think, got rid of them all, right? But if we had a snake, and I ran, the chances are he wouldn't catch up with me. So what does a snake do? That's not what he does. A snake operates by deception and doubt. Remember in the Garden of Eden, did God really say not to eat of that fruit of that tree? Is that what God, you know, if you are the son of God, throw yourself off, somebody's going to catch you. What is the devil doing? He's putting doubt and he's putting discouragement into a Christian. And this week, the devil can put doubt and discouragement into your life. He can come as a subtle little snake and he can say, does the Bible really say that, Peter? Do you actually believe that? I don't think church is what you think it is. I don't think you should go to that church anymore. I'm just discouraged. A lot of Christians are discouraged because they have allowed the adder into their lives. If you feel discouragement, if you feel doubt coming into your life, you need to trample it underfoot. Because very slowly, that doubt and discouragement could take over your life. I'm amazed at the amount of Christians who are discouraged. A lot of Christians, because of past hurts, past failings, past experience, they get discouraged. And when you get discouraged and you get into doubt, what happens? The enemy begins to win. Because slowly, he's going to begin to kill, to steal, and destroy, and you begin to fall away. But if there's discouragement coming into your life, you need to trample it underfoot and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The next creature he talks about is the young lion. Now, remember he said the lion. Then he talked about the adder. But now he's gone back to the young lion. I don't know about you, but I would get it very hard to kill a young lion. Because I think young lions are cute and cuddly, aren't they? Would you like a young lion? They're like a big fuzzy cat. They're beautiful. They're pets, aren't they? I mean, how would, how, why would you want to kill an innocent baby lion? I mean, a big lion could kill you, but a young lion is cute and cuddly. I think that's sad. I wish it didn't say that in the Bible, because... You know, who wants to tread? Who wants to kill a baby lion? Is that not cruel? He's innocent. Anybody tell me what's the problem with a young lion? I'll give you a clue. Young. It grows up. And it grows up very fast. I know people around me, and they began smoking 
when they were 13, 14 years of age. It's cool. It's exciting. It's fun. It's like cuddly. It's only a fag. Everyone else is doing it. But what happens when you start smoking? You get addicted to it. And as years go on, you're smoking 20, 30, 40, 50 a day. Your money's gone. Your health is gone. What has happened? Your whole life is drained out and destroyed. Because you started with something that was cute and cuddly. And you thought, I will control this. But what happened is that sin issue grew faster than you thought. And it controls you. If the devil can't attack you with a big lion, what he'll do is he'll give you a small lion and he will say to you, play with that lion. It's beautiful. It's cute. Take some drugs. Everyone else in the school has taken drugs and they're all enjoying life. Why can't I? It's only a bit of fun. It's cuddly. It's nice. It's only a bit of fun. I'm not going to get addicted to it. I'm just doing it because everyone else is doing it. I'm just going with another woman because I'm just having an affair on the side and I'll repent later on. These is, this is what happens. But eventually, that lion grows up and destroys your life. If there's any little sin issue in your life, you need to do what? Trample it underfoot because that sin is going to grow and destroy you. Don't play around with the cuddly lion. And then the next little creature he comes along with is the dragon. Now, I have been to zoos, Belfast Zoo and Dublin Zoo, I think that's about the height of it, and I have seen lions, big ones and small ones. I've seen snakes, but I have never seen a dragon. Do you know why? There's no such a thing. But now, there is a Komodo dragon. If you have a Komodo dragon, that's not a real dragon. That's an overgrowing lizard, okay, just in case. There is no such a thing. And here we see the devil again. What is the devil doing? If the devil can come and destroy your life with a big lion, he'll send a small lion. He'll send a snake and cause doubt and, 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 and anxiety. But if he can't do that, he'll send in a dragon. Do you know what that symbolizes? Fear. Can you see fear? No, you can't see it. But there are so many people's lives and they are controlled by fear. They worry and they're anxious about everything. And that is the work of the enemy. Every time I go to a St. Patrick's Day parade or any parade, you ever see a dragon at a parade? Do you know one thing I notice about a dragon at a parade? It goes on forever. You say to yourself, is there any end to this dragon? Most parades are a little... You know, a few people on a, a trailer showing off a transport box or a plow. You know, the small tractor and a trailer. But every time you go to a parade and there's a dragon, it goes on and on for ages. And you say to yourself, where is this going to end? And you know, a lot of Christians today, and maybe you this morning, and your life is controlled by fear. And you know something? It doesn't even exist. But you have believed the lie of the enemy. When fear comes into your life, that dragon, do you know what you need to do? You need to trample it underfoot because fear will kill you. It's a fear. Jesus, or the Bible says in the New Testament, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Do you know what a sound mind is? A sound mind is a Christian who knows that God 
loves me. That is a sound mind. If you can walk out this door, in, I'm nearly done, nearly done, in a few more minutes, and you know in your thick skull that no matter what happens in my life, God loves me. You've got the victory. You know why? Because perfect love casts out all fear. You cannot say that you're walking with God and you love God if you have fear. Because 1 John says, if you fear, you are not walking in God's love. So when you leave this room shortly, I want you to remember that no matter what this week, what this month brings to you, what the next hour, remember God loves you. When Jesus was going to the cross, he said to his disciples, one thing, one just to get this clear, the disciples, remain, remain, stay in my love. Don't leave. Stay in my love. One more thing in closing, and I want to make this clear. And I am not saying this morning that if you claim Psalm 91 and you live by Psalm 91, that you're never going to get sick. You're never going to have trouble. Everything in your life is going to be rosy. Because Psalm 91 says that. A thousand may fall at this side, ten, it won't come near me. That is not what this Psalm is saying, by the way, just to blow your bubble. That is not what this Psalm is saying. What this Psalm is saying is this. This Psalm is saying, I know God loves me. And no matter what happens in my life, if I abide under the shadow of the Almighty, no matter what happens in my life, that is never going to change. That is why Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that neither height nor depth nor famine nor persecution, nakedness, revealance, sword, strife, nothing in all creation can separate us from what? The love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That is what this psalm is all about. That no matter what you're going through, no matter what lion is out there, no matter what serpent is out there, no matter what stuff you're going through this week or this month or this year, make sure, number one, God loves you. That is never going to change. And number two, that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And that brings me back to verse 1. He that dwells in the secret place. Who's the secret place? Jesus. He who dwells in Jesus, in the secret, of the Most High, shall stay permanent under the shadow of the Almighty. You're going to stay there. And no matter what happens to you, God loves you, and that is never, ever going to change. Nothing can separate us because at the cross, when Jesus died, Lord, Yod Vave, the man who was nailed to the cross, that was the guarantee of God's unconditional love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I don't know what you're going to go through this week or next week, but remember God loves you 
and nothing can separate you from that love. And last but not least, if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you do not know what you're missing. You do not understand God's love for your life. You are living your life, as we've heard this morning, you do not know that Sam before it are all the one. You do not know when your life is going to end. Don't leave this room tonight with talking to me or David or Mark or somebody because we want you to experience God's love in your life and that you have the permanent security that Psalm 91 was wrote especially for you. Bring it home and read it and enjoy it because it's wonderful. I'll just close in a word of prayer because I think our time is gone. Father God, I... I thank you for this word here tonight, or this morning. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here who is not abiding in the secret place of the Most High, who does not understand the shadow of the Almighty, I just pray now for the wooing of your Holy Spirit to just speak to that one or two individual and just say, you need to come to the secret place. The secret place is Jesus. The secret place is having that relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you give your life to Jesus, you will be seated with Christ in heavenly places and the most high. And no matter what happens in your life, God's love will always be there. Because the Bible says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father God, teach us as a church to understand what it is to be loved by God. Not only to be loved by God, but to have that security that as the weeks and months ahead, nothing is going to separate us from that love. Because when Jesus died on the cross and his hands were stretched out and he was nailed to that cross, that covenant of love was secured for all eternity.